This week we bring you the update on post Huntsville Ham Fest, a little bit about me, the latest news from the ARRL, and some news about right here in Tennessee with amateurs involved with localized flooding. Stay tuned. Good morning, afternoon, whatever time you might be listening to this podcast. It's your host, Marvin, W0MET, who's the ham radio guy. We are bringing you the latest of topics, news, and information each week right here to this show. I'd like to get started uh, off on this podcast with a little bit about me and this podcast, uh, as I've not formally introduced this show and myself uh, yet to this point. I am Marvin Turner, W0MET. I have been licensed as an amateur radio operator for over 26 years now. I live right here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, about 30 miles south of Nashville. I work full-time as an IT support engineer for a healthcare company. The, I am the president of the local Stones River Amateur Radio Club, a Tennessee AWRL ham technical specialist, assisting in getting new hams licensed and promoting amateur radio. One of my goals with that is to ensure that new hams have resources or at least, you know, have access to where or or, or how to get those resources to continue to learn and grow in the hobby. I'm also a volunteer examiner and a certified ARRL instructor. So, you know, um, some of the things I enjoy doing, uh, just getting out, doing POTA activations when I have time, um, working on amateur radio projects like I did the, earlier this year, uh, building my own shack in a box with my FT-991 radio and the FTM-400. Uh, last year, one of my projects was developing a couple fox hunts so uh, to help the local club in doing our annual fox hunt uh, events. So uh, certainly... Um, enjoyed doing those type of events along the way you know i really started this podcast back in the middle of july just a little over a month ago actually this is my third podcast i believe um and i have an array of more topics and guests certainly to come uh so you know please stay tuned for those uh the equipment uh you know i continue to improve that as i'm purchasing uh some of that podcasting equipment as i can i'm currently using a high pr20 mic and looking to upgrade to a a uh, more of a physical soundboard than I am a uh, virtual one that I'm currently using. And I'm also looking at a different mic in the next month, uh, probably the uh, PR40 from Heil, but uh, you know that may be subject to change. My website, thehamradio.com, which you can visit, uh, is up and running. And it probably took the longest to really get this built and try and get it right. There's still a few changes still to come, but you know, um, you can find each week each week's podcast on there as well. The reason I started this, uh, as I listen um, to more news and podcasts on my own way to work, I, um, you know, have watched you know a lot of the people do the YouTube videos along the way and everything, and and those are great, and it's great to watch them uh, when you can. But you know, I don't really have a lot of time to read books or watch those videos sometimes. But I get my travel to and from work, which is about forty-five minutes every day, so. It certainly gives me a little bit more time to um, listen to those podcasts and listen to some news from the different sources uh, through amateur radio and, and kind of keep up on them and, and keep apprised of what's happening. And so I thought, you know, 
how handy it would be to have about a half-hour podcast each week I could put together where amateur radio operators in a drive once a week could listen to a podcast, learning something and getting an update on some news and information from ARRL that might directly affect them or you know something they might need to know about changes to a band or rule that might be up and coming or proposed by the FCC. So, therefore, the ham radio guy was born. My hope is that listeners can reach out uh, for answers to questions uh, through the website, um, or even just you know follow me on Twitter as well, and I can answer them on the air. Um, following you know each week uh, after the show, and we can um, you know get some answers and responses back you know hopefully sooner uh than you know waiting for the next show but i certainly you know want to make that part of the podcast in the future here as we gain new listeners and and more you know as a technical specialist for new hams for the amateur radio uh podcast i really hope that this helps fill part of that mission that i've set in in becoming a technical specialist with them uh for for new hams so again please feel free to reach out if you have any questions or topics you want to have covered uh during that time Moving on, um, I just returned this afternoon, so late uh, getting this podcast out this week. Uh, I usually try and produce it on Saturday afternoons. But I uh, returned from the Huntsville Ham Fest this week, and uh, this, this afternoon, as um, many of you might have seen, Josh, uh, Naz, K-I-6-N-A-Z, uh, or any of the other YouTubes live streaming from Gigaparts uh, at the Huntsville Ham Fest on Saturday. I was able to spend some time with them and while well, down there on Saturday and enjoy that. Uh, it was a very good time with them, in fact. Um, getting to see them as the YouTube personalities that we do all the time, uh, but actually getting to meet some of them for the first time. So that was quite exciting. The Huntsville uh, Ham Fest, while it was great to have a ham fest again, and I was certainly able to pick up some long-awaited new equipment for my shack, uh, which included a 600-watt capable tuner. Uh, for my new amplifier system and a, an external speaker for my station uh, for my base radio here uh, my Yesu and a couple other items I found along the way um, but what I really found most was the lack of several of the large dealers like Diamond which we knew was going to be there but then they pulled out prior to the event but really companies like Yesu or Kenwood was not there MFJ, Heil or even Ham Radio Outlet for that matter but you would think those companies would want to either promote those new products or put them out there because they've not really done a, a ham fest since February of 2019 with the last one being in Orlando at Hamcation. So, which is, by the way, um, the next largest ham fest probably coming up national-wise. national, national uh, wise. And um, I did speak with some of those event organizers while I was there. And they said it's a go one way or the other. So they're going to make that go. Hopefully that will continue to ring true and that, that will not change with some of the COVID elements that are occurring out there and you know anything that's going to change that direction, maybe even politically. But we won't get into that here on this show. So you know, start saving your dollars now and hoping that Hamcation in February of 2022 will be even better and larger than Huntsville. Um, you know, my, my few takeaways from Huntsville was that it was certainly did double its space and size overall, which was nice, and gave plenty of room between the walkways uh, in the 
some might call it the boneyard or even you know the swap tables uh had that room had certainly increased uh but we also had more of those type of vendors uh there this year uh finding some great treasures and it looked like many people did find a lot of great treasures there and walking away with some good deals so um i know um one of my members of the club here locally uh, was able to find a dmr radio and he uh, made a good deal on that one uh, through motorola so uh, he was excited about that to get that in uh, some of those used equipment tables so um, that was awesome um, you know i was able to really probably top off my weekend in huntsville uh, with one of the um, funnest things i enjoy doing and uh, it was really kind of a wild ride this morning uh, actually i did part of this activation with uh, mark uh, KD4EYF, a dear friend of mine, and um, we were able to go out to the Monsanto State Park, and uh, that's Park Kilo-1048 uh, State Park, and work some POTA activation this morning. And the cool thing about this morning, whether it's Sunday morning or just the fact that maybe it was in Huntsville because of the weekend and people are paying attention to what was happening there, uh, between me and him, we were able to work about 49 contacts in 55 minutes, which was actually pretty cool, I think. Um, even could have probably had a few more, but I decided to have a few conversations. And also a few visitors did stop along the way asking what we were doing or how we were doing. And in fact, some of those were other hams as well, uh, which, you know, were familiar with what we're doing. So uh, I just want to say thank you to all the hunters out there this morning. That uh, certainly made our job a little easier and knocking out that park and another state while I was in Alabama this weekend. So um, thank you for that very much as well. And so, um, you know, I'm kind of going to leave that as the show for this week. Um, and we'll, um, you know, wrap up with some news here. So as we move into news, uh, and I've got a fair amount of that actually this week. Um, you know, we begin with a developing story uh, with local Tennessee hams right here um, in Middle Tennessee, uh, assisting Tima Communications as they have been activated to assist with some of the localized flooding that is occurring in some of the Tennessee counties where more than 20 people have died. I think 40 or more are still reported uh, not found as a result of the severe flooding that has occurred on Friday night into Saturday. Uh, where they were receiving like eight or nine inches an hour of rain. I believe this has been reported as the most severe uh, flooding weather event uh, in Middle Tennessee, uh, especially in Humphreys County, uh, where it was reported that even the communication center for the 911 uh, had flooded at one point, but apparently the uh, service has now been restored. So, so we're good there. Uh, so that's good to get the 911 back in, in system working. Um, I'm not sure that any amateurs had any assistance with that part of it, but, uh, you know, certainly got that back up and running. I know Verizon AT&T was bringing in some cell towers to help with public safety and other people needing assistance for towers during that time. So, uh, you know, certainly continue to give you more on that developing story as uh, time comes around. Uh, the second thing we'll go into is the AWRL released on Friday that the Volunteer Monitor Report Program had released this July report where several technician class licensees were operating out of their privilege zone on FT8 and were sent advisory notices. Um, 
And then the other report included also several others in Georgia, New Jersey, received advisory notices for failing to identify property, repeated communications with unlicensed stations, and making on-the-air threats directed at another operator. Uh, total hours logged for that was over 1,736 on HF frequencies uh, and 2,185 on uh, VHF and UHF. So, you know, a lot of hours, uh, way over 4,000 hours looks like probably totaled monitoring the airwaves uh, for FCC operators not following uh, good protocol, FCC rules, and practices. Um, you know, just remind everybody for a quick moment here that, you know, amateur radio rules uh, for operation are, are really a, a privilege and, and not a right, and they can certainly be taketh away. And so, you know, we ask that, you know, you continue to follow those rules and protocols, and you know, I know every now and then we need a reminder, but, uh, you know, stay within your band class and, and don't be making threats on the air. Um, again, uh, that privilege can be taken away. So um, make sure you, you follow those rules and, and proper protocol. And, you know, kind of one represents all, kind of. Uh, I hate to say that, but, you know, we do have, um, you know, very similar to police officers. They get their reputation. One person does bad, and they all are bad. But I, I, don't, I don't want that. But... Uh, it does, you know, put a negativity on the overall um, perception of amateur radio operators. So, you know, please, um, you know, follow those rules. Another big news I found, uh, WSJTX has released a new beta for beta testers. With individuals interested in testing out their new features, uh, this is the uh, WSJTX 2.5.0. And uh, they want you to try out the, the features and provide feedback to the development team. So if you're interested, reach out and try that. Uh, might be worth it uh, for some new digital operations for those that are into the digital operations. Uh, MFJ Production Manager, Michael Enos, KB5YJF, known as the world expert on the Marichon amplifiers, has died at just the young age of 53. So we send our prayers out to that family. Um, for him uh, passing so early. So, um, you know, sympathy uh, for that family and prayers, uh, definitely, uh, I'm sure that was very unexpected. And finally, for news this week, uh, for all of you that enjoy getting out and doing POTA or SOTA events, the new MODA, Minds on the Air, is engaging a new hams to get out and operate. The creator of the site, John Fuller, WJ0NF, um, expects this to grow like many of the other outdoor portable operations like Soda and Poda, Islands on the Air. Um, but said he would like to see operators to create limited edition QSL cards of the events uh, bearing an image of their relevant mine. And eventually uh, he's hoping that a database will be built as this continues to grow for Minds on the Air. For more information, you can visit his website, mindsontheair.com. And his um, activation requirements that you need to activate a mine. So, um, you know, hopefully some good news there. Uh, another opportunity to get out and operate with mines on the air. So that will bring this week to a close. I hope that you enjoyed it. I hope that you will submit that subscribe or submit that subscribe button and share with friends. And I hope that you learned something as well this week as we help you in your ham radio operations each and every week. As always, I say 73 W0MET.